want to, uh, before I hop in also, um, I'm wearing the Next Level church shirt this week. Next Level came one of those first days, and it was fascinating when they showed up. They, uh, I had just said to one of the guys that was here from Victory Church, I said, man, what we really need is a way to organize this to take this to the next level, because things are very chaotic. 60 seconds, within 60 seconds, guys in these t-shirts showed up, next level, and said to me, hey, we really feel like we're here to help you organize. It's like, wow. We went in a room, and we had a little meeting, and they had the little form that started us getting all those volunteers going, and... Uh, really fascinating. It was a simple form, but I don't know that we would have thought of it. And uh, we, um, we, we just had uh, this last Saturday, we had volunteers all every day, the last two weeks every day, and pretty much every day since we got started. We had a big push on Saturday. We got most of the work orders that we've taken in caught up, the ones that we can do anyway. Um, and so, you know, there are some things that we can't do. We can't do any of the rebuilding sort of things or putting together because we don't have a uh, contractor's license, so we, we hit some limits. But over, um, well over 3,000 volunteers have uh, come through here. Hundreds and hundreds of work orders have been taken care of. It's been an amazing journey, and uh, we're, we're very thankful for all of it. We're going to take the next week or so and take a break um, from all of that and just focus in on Night of Thanks, and, um, which is a lot of work in and of itself, and then we'll revisit everything on the other side of that break. So, um, so we're not going to be sending volunteers out the next week or weekend. Nobody's staying here, and I don't really have anybody scheduled to come in, so in the future, it'll be us sort of picking up where we go from here and figuring it out uh, on the way uh, forward. Um, but anyway, that's what's happened, and people came from all over the country. Uh, this week, we had a team in here from Washington State, uh, and they were here all week. They stayed with us all week and worked. That was, they took their vacations, like a dozen of them, and came down and served. It's just amazing, and we've seen that over and over and over, and we are extremely grateful for all of that and for everybody's help and for all the churches along the way that have stepped up and really made a huge difference and how cool it's been to be a part of the body of Christ through all this and just watch these, the way God has moved um, throughout this season and, and we're so grateful to be a part of all of that. So today, um, you know, the last few weeks, I've, I've not really a series, but we're kind of talking about processing through sort of hurricane recovery and what that looks like. And what I thought I would do today is talk about sort of how to deal with loss and in a way that, you know, allows us to keep living well in Him. And so I want to spend some time talking about that with you and some principles of that today. Bad joke time, though. These were very bad. Somebody sent me these. Why do pilgrims' pants always fall down? Because their belt buckles are on their hats. See? Got a theme. What kind of music did the pilgrims like? Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock. Yeah, I know. Last one. If the pilgrims were alive today, what would they be most famous for? Their age. <laughs> Scripture reading here on purpose. Romans 15, verses 4 through 6. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us through, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart 
and mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Apostle Paul there says that everything that was written in the past, he's talking about all the stuff that's written in the Old Testament um, at this point in time, because they were just writing the New Testament, but um, is, to, is to teach us. The, the stories and events that are recorded for us in the Old Testament help us to know that God is with us and for us and to encourage us on in this journey. And I want to look at an event story in the Old Testament that has to deal with King David undergoing and dealing with a major loss in his life. It's a, it's a sad, difficult story, but from it, I think we can gather some principles to help us all in this uh, process of, of dealing with loss in our lives. And all of us are, are if you're not dealing with loss right now, you, you certainly will at some point because it's a fallen world and a broken planet and we're surrounded by it. We talked about that last week and how important it was to, to mourn the losses. But today I want to start to talk about living in uh, and engaging in life as we mourn through the process. And how we do that has a huge impact on how we experience life and, and also on living well for him. And in the story that we're going to look at, King David actually loses a child uh, and he has to endure that and he has to grieve that and he has to go through that and engage in life again. And he teaches us some things. And, you know, all of us are, are dealing with loss. Either we've, we've uh, you, you're, you've significantly lost things, you know, in your home and around your home or... Um, maybe you've lost, it's a loss of a job that you've had for a long time and you, something new. And maybe your friends, you know, have moved away or people have moved away. We're, we're dealing with loss in, in our little um, park down to venture out every day pretty much. They're coming in and tearing down a home uh, that was somebody's place where they lived and where they had life and shared memories and, and their children came and did all those things. And they're actually just being, you know, taken out and gone. And they, there's an empty lot there now. And, um, it's a lot for us to process on many levels. We experience loss. And um, David in this story is dealing with loss. And, and I, I think, you know, from it, we can get some help moving forward in this process. So uh, I want to read you the story. It's in 2 Samuel 12, beginning in verse 16. And it says that David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and went into his house and spent the nights lying on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, we spoke to David, but he wouldn't listen to us. How can we tell him the child is dead? He, he may do something desperate. David noticed that his servants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. And they said, yes, he's dead. David got up from the ground, and after he had washed and put on lotions and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. And his servants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you, you get up and eat. And he answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. So here's the story. Uh, Bathsheba was pregnant, and th they have the baby, and the, the baby's very sick, very near death. David, you know, obviously he's freaking out about that, and, and he's on the floor. He's praying. He's crying out to God. 
He's fasting. He's doing all that he knows how to do. This goes on for seven days, but on the seventh day, the baby went on to be with the Lord. Um, and David's advisors, you know, David's the king. His, his, his advisors are afraid to tell him because uh, they don't know what he's going to do now. And um, David sees them talking amongst themselves, realize what's happened. And um, he then gets up and he begins to proceed on with um, some things that I want us to look at. And I think they'll help us in how we continue to press on in the midst of loss. And so um, first thing is we have to accept the things that we can't change. Have to accept the things I cannot change. Second Samuel 12, 22, 23. He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he's dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? So David's doing what he knows how to do. He's praying. He's fasting. He's crying out to the Lord. Um, I don't know about you, but as the storm was approaching, as, as the hurricane was coming, I was praying for all that I was worth. Um, and it was even an awkward prayer because, you know, I wasn't, it's not like you, you're praying for the hurricane, you don't know what to do, you don't want to pray over there, you don't want anybody else to have to deal with it, you know, you, you can't go pray it over those people or whatever, you know, you sort of pray maybe it would just dissipate or go out over the ocean or do something, but uh, go away. But um, as it got closer and closer and the more fervently I prayed, it just became more obvious and obvious it was heading in our direction. And uh, as it was getting closer, my I have a friend in Miami that pastors the vineyard up there, Kevin, and we were talking a lot because it was coming to one of us, uh, if not both of us, but we could tell it was coming to one of us. And we're talking and he actually said to me, he said, you know, I've already gone through one category four hurricane in my life. I don't think I should have to go through another one. And I'm like, that's not fair. Don't pray that. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, we prayed and prayed and yet here it came. And uh, I live on Kudjo. It actually it couldn't have centered up any closer to where I was, you know, where, where everything was. And the worst side of the storm hit us. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, it, it just, it happened. And, um, and that's the reality of the situation. Now, I, I say that because you know, I think sometimes when we're dealing with so much, you know, we, we keep waiting for a time when it will get back to normal, which is how things were. And we get stuck there because it's, you know, it, things will change and they're changing all the time and they'll get back to something different, you know, that they call a new normal. Um, but it will never be the way that it was. I'm not saying it won't be good again. I'm just saying it will never be the way that it was. And we have to come to grips with that. We have to deal with that. Or we will just sort of move through this period of time, whatever it is, and we won't experience any life at all. Uh, and, and so we need to be aware of the fact that this is the, the situation, and we need to embrace it, engage with it, and deal with it. And um, there's, a, there's a prayer that I took that first point from that's called the serenity prayer. Most of you heard the serenity prayer, and you know the beginning of it anyway. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that prayer was written by Reinhold Neighbor. But that's not all of the prayer. There's another part of the prayer that most people don't know because, you know, it's hard to remember much more than what I just said. But it goes on. That prayer goes on to say, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, 
taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. That's the rest of the serenity prayer. And in context, when you hold it all together, it really is an amazing, amazing prayer. God, help me to accept the things I can't change. Courage to change the things I can. Wisdom to know the difference. Help me to live one day at a time. God, help me to live and enjoy one moment at a time, knowing that hardship is part of the deal here on a broken planet and a fallen world. And, and But taking, like you did, Lord, the, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, knowing that you will ultimately make all things right, that as I surrender to your will, I experience life, and that in this life, I can be reasonably happy in this one and supremely happy in the eternal life that awaits. And that's a great balance and, and a great place for us to experience life. So accepting it doesn't mean that we stop caring about it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt any longer. It doesn't mean that um, you, you think what happened is good. Uh, it just, it, it accepts it. You realize that you can't change it. And, and so rather than kind of trying to wish it away or hope that you were in a different place or waiting for another day to come, you, you just can ultimately engage with it and begin to live in the process. And the next thing that David does is this. Secondly, um, he, he helps us to remember that there's more to the story. I did a whole sermon on this not long ago, but I want to touch back on it again because um, in dealing with loss and difficulties, um, we have to be able to know that there's an eternal aspect to our story as believers in Christ. And David, experiencing this tremendous loss, he's able to focus on what's ahead of him because he knows that God's not finished yet. Uh, 2 Samuel 12, 23, the end, middle, I will go to him, he says about his son, but he will not return to me. He knew and accepted that he, he wouldn't see his son here in a temporary uh, way, but he would once again be reunited with him uh, in eternity. And so the, the passing of his son was not the end of the story. It was difficult, it was hard, but it wasn't the end. And, and you know, we need to know that, that we have not hit the end of our story, and we certainly haven't hit the end of his yet. Uh, there's more to the story. And an eternal perspective is so important in helping us um, deal with these difficult times in our life and, and to know that there's, there's more coming and we're not finished yet. Third, and this is very important, and, and um, it, it does fit in here, so it's that you have to make sure that you take care of yourself. Now, I don't mean at the exclusion of others or anything and that we don't take care of one another, but um, uh, to, to continue on well in this journey, we have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. Second Samuel twelve twenty, David got up from the ground, and after he washed, he put on lotions, and he changed his clothes. So... Um, he gets up and he begins to do what seems like pretty ordinary activities. He, he, you know, he bathed, he showered, he combed his hair, he put on some new clothes, whatever. Um, and, and those are pretty normal activities for us. But often when we've experienced significant loss, we stop doing those very ordinary things because they just seem overwhelming to us. And we don't seem to be able to fit them into our schedules any longer. And we, we kind of um, step back oftentimes. And, and, you know, it happens in a lot of things, like in, in, um, in eating, I noticed. You know, the, um, nothing seems to taste right when you're doing those things. And, and especially like if it's an MRE or something, which never didn't taste good in the beginning, 
And I think I was hungry enough one where one was okay, but after that, or, or because it doesn't taste right, so you don't eat it at all, or you eat too much of it because you've got an ache that you can't sustain, and, and so those things get out of whack. And, you know, we talked last week about sleep, and, and sleep just becomes a challenge, more of a challenge. Either you, either you sleep too much as an escape, or you can't sleep at all because of your brain spinning around, and this happens night after night. And uh, exercise, which seems like a ridiculous thing to talk about in the midst of loss, and yet, you know, it's very important for us to, to continue to you know, to press on and do things. You know, I, I you know, I like to run, and and um, but lately running is it's it's been different because I have to run by things that are debris piles and homes that are tearing down. And it's you know, I, my I used to enjoy my run because I well, I'd look at the ocean and you know the ocean's still there, but I have to go around all this mess. And and so it's different, and yet it's important. Like I I enjoy a a really you know a good long walk especially when it's taken by somebody that annoys me. That was a bonus joke, by the way. Tucked right into the middle. Chosen especially for you. But David sort of gives us, you know, how we gradually respond. He had accepted what he couldn't change. You know, he couldn't bring his child back, but he knew it wasn't the end of the story, and he would, he would see them again soon. And he was willing to live in the tension of both mourning the loss and living well. And, and that's the tension we embrace. See, we talked about mourning loss, how important that it was. But we also have to embrace life again um, to the extent that we can. And so living well means, you know, we have to take care of some of those basic needs in our lives. And, and I want to make sure that I mention this one as well. Really important that you take a break every now and again. And because and, what I've experience with folks is there's so much to do that people aren't taking breaks. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, a lot of us are, are going and, and we're going to work where there's a tremendous amount of stuff to do. And then we come home, which should be some sort of break, and there's just more stuff to do. Um, because it's everywhere. And you, you look and you, you know, I, I know we, you look at something and you think, oh, I should probably fix that before I stop for the day. That's only going to take 10 minutes. And four hours later, you, you know, you're like, uh, I should have stopped. Um, Listen, it, this mess will be there if you take a break. It's still going to be there. And, and, and if you take a break, you get a break. And you need a break. Uh, you, you have to take time. You, you know, you were designed, God designed you that you got at least one break a week. Uh, and He made you that way. And it's very easy when there's so many things happening that's kind of push right past that. But it's not good for you. And you can't do it for very long. I, I noticed, you know, I, I had, uh, my family will attest to this. Um, but things that didn't don't usually bother me were making me irritable, and and I was I wasn't saying it, but I would be rehearsing things that I'd like to say, the things that made me irritable, and I would come up with a whole bunch of responses, and I could feel my tension level, and I knew, and I could tell, you know, this is just not me, not normally an issue, and this problem was I wasn't taking my I, I wasn't getting a break, and so you you have to just say I got to take a break, and and so you know. For some of you, I want to encourage you to take a break. For some of you, maybe you need permission to take a break. Take a break. Stop. Get a break and come back at it refreshed. You're supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to be doing it every week. But get to it because it's important in, in order to take care of yourself. And then when you take a break, the other stuff starts to catch up to it and you can begin the process. And so David, you know, shows us. He gets up and he starts doing things that he needs to do. Fourth, you need to the stay or get connected to God. Um, if you haven't been spending some time with the Lord, 
um, the way you should, you need to get back to that. Um, if you've been doing it, keep doing it. But make sure you're taking time every day to connect with Him, to pray, to read His Word, to do those things that are part of our, our normal lives as believers. In 2 Samuel twelve twenty, it says that David, after he got up and did those things, he went to the house of the Lord and he worshiped. David knew how important it was to get connected with God because there's, there's something about going and connecting with God where God helps us in to see how he's moving into the mess that we're dealing with. Not that he caused it, but that he helps us through it. And we begin to see uh, when we're connected to him, it's easier for us to see him moving. And he's been moving tremendously throughout this time. You know, like, just like little things like the shirt that I told you about. I mean, constantly God has been doing that. And we need to stay connected so we can see how he continues to work through these difficult times and in these difficult times in our lives. So it's very important that, that we get or stay connected to the Lord. And David knew that. And so one of the first things that he did after he got up and got cleaned up was that he, he went and worshiped. And then finally, point number five, just keep doing the next right thing, guys. Um, you know, I say that a lot. I'll, I'll work it in just about every sermon, but, but that's what we need to do. Keep doing the next right thing. When we're really stressed and when we're really stretched out of measure, um, it's, we're, we, we can sort of move into a direction that's not good for us. And I want to encourage you, just keep doing the next right thing. Samuel, 2 Samuel twelve twenty says that uh, David then went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. But David was the king, so his own house was the palace. So in effect, what David is doing, he's going back to the palace, and he's starting to engage again in his life because he needed to. And, and uh, he needed to be the king, and he needed to do the things that he did. And we need to do those things as well. We need to step back into life, take that tension of, of mourning loss and yet living well, and press in where we can. Make sure that we're taking time for ourselves and we're, we're doing the things that we need to do. Understanding that this is just what we have to grab a hold of. This is the, where, where we're at now. And then, you know, asking God to redeem that in our lives and working this thing out and walking this thing out to the best of our ability. And we see David do that. He just says, okay, I'm going to plug back in. It's not that it's over and it's not that he's all better yet, but he's going to embrace that tension and move through it because that's where life is found. So, you know, take those things in, and if nothing else resonates with you, take that serenity prayer and kind of keep that close, and, uh, and you know, the whole thing, and how important that is, because that's where we'll find life, and we're going to keep pressing on from there. Next week, I want to talk about how, how He really um, takes these difficult things, and how He works them in our lives, and uh, in, to help us and others, and how amazing God is in that process, and we'll, we'll touch on that, that next week, but that's good for this week. I'm going to end it right there. Ministry 